Hey guys, today's episode of The Gourmet Goober is brought to you by Kind Bar. Kind is deeply committed to crafting food with the real, recognizable ingredients, a disruptive notion that has sparked the creation of a whole new snacking category. Kind is unapologetic in their efforts to challenge the status quo by shifting the food industry and empowering their community and our listeners to make better, informed choices about their health. Kindness can also be a transformative force for good, and that's why the Gourmet Goober is teaming up with Kind and Podgo to bring our listeners 10 or 15% off for military, teachers, students, first responders, doctors, and nurses. Just go to podgo.co slash kind. That's podgo.co slash kind in order to take advantage of this great discount. Kind Bar, creating a kinder and healthier world, one act, one snack at a time. This is JJ Outlaw. Hi, I'm T Outlaw. And we are back. We're the co-hosts of the Gourmet Goober Podcast. You can always catch me, JJ Outlaw, on the Instagrams at Gourmet Goober. And of course, I hang out on Twitter at JJ Outlaw. Every episode, I'm co-hosting with my BFF, that dude, which I reluctantly call him that. Are we still doing the Dark Desperado? There's still a pandemic, isn't there? So the Dark Desperado is not an eternal thing. It's just for the pandemic, right? Yes, as long as I have to mask up, strap up, yeah. Although, there will be a Dark Desperado. Now that I think about it, though, I just saw, like, hundreds of people going to see a City Girl concert. So, yeah, we're going to be calling you the Dark Desperado for a while. Now. That's right. Get used to it. <laughs> anyway, this is Big Daddy. <laughs> That's right, kids. Thank you so much. Hi, I'm T Outlaw. You can find me, T Outlaw, at T Outlaw on Twitter and on Instagram at T Outlaw Josie Wells, like the movie. Of course, you can always find us at the Gourmet Goober blog on Facebook. Although I just want to warn everyone, Facebook, I hate for a variety of reasons, but we still have like a legacy Facebook. Um, page from when we were a blog so that's where that comes to and um, you can always hit us up at thegourmetgoober.com so we are back it seems like we have been gone for ever we were gone since our, I think our last episode was in December right yeah somewhere around 17 19 somewhere near for those of you who are looking for our episode last week we want to extend our deepest apologies we ran into some technical difficulties, and so we were unable to, despite our very best efforts to upload the episode. 
So hopefully that'll be a bonus sometime later on. Yeah. But in the meantime, you have us. And there's just a lot to cover since we've last been out there. Yeah, of course, you know, it was a damn polar bear who ate our, our podcast. <laughs> but since we had to take care of the polar bear, uh, I think we're good. And I think we're good to go. But if you should hear some polar bear noises, don't trip. We will take care of him. Well, I'm not so much worried about the polar bear noises, which there are none. We live in in Chicago land, not Siberia. But what I'm more concerned about is if you happen to hear barking or meowing, just as a reminder, like many of you, we are home during the pandemic. <laughs> so we have to make do with whatever recording studio makeshift dining room table that we have. And so you may hear our co-host Braxton, a.k.a. Braxton the dog, and his barking. And then one of the two cats, um, they're kind of locked into this like bizarre like relationship right now. We have two cats and a dog. The cats likes to lure the dog back to where they like to hang out. And then they swing at the dog. Basically, they use them as, they put them in the guillotine and then they just start swinging away. And of course, since he's a puppy who wants to play, he's like, yes, yes, finally can go play with them. And we're like, don't fall for it, man. And of course, it never ends well. No. So we may need to stop the recording in order to save Braxton from his better self. By the way, is Braxton like chewing on a... I don't know what Braxton is chewing on. I just figured if it doesn't kill him, it was a good party. <laughs> I'm going to step over and see because it looks important. It looks important. It is important. Oh, damn. <laughs> that never ends well. If you have to ask if it was important, then we have a troublesome dog, kids. Um, well, so anyway, the podcast continues <laughs> while the dog is just randomly mangling stuff that the polar bear didn't get his hands on. No, that's cool. no, it's... Remember that piece of paper, the about the allergy medicine that we got from the vet. Okay. Well, we'll have to request it again because he shredded it. <laughs> so. Oh, goody. <sighs> Apparently he was not feeling that medicine. No, he was not. Or the information about it. <laughs> no, he was not. Nonetheless. All right. So anyway, that was how, um, this is our little microcosm of <laughs> how we deal with things. Yes. This is, this is life right now for the outlaw family. <laughs> Quarantine is a trip. <laughs> so, my gosh. Where do we start about our time off? I got older. Yeah, it's Big Daddy and the time and since we had the last episode of the podcast. He celebrated his birthday because he is a Christmas baby. Woohoo! So, we got to celebrate that alone, which is sad. <laughs> Because all of our family lives out of the way, but we still had a nice little quiet um, quiet time together with us, and we were able to talk to everybody, which is also awesome. Um, Same thing with New Year's Eve. Actually, New, New Year's, Year's was kind of cool in a way, only because with the work that you do, because Big Daddy, and I think without going into details, Big Daddy works in sports, and I think I've mentioned that before. And with him working in sports, 
um, one of the key things is there's usually sports around New Year's, you know, with like the basketball, I mean, the football championship, the bowl games and all of that good stuff. Yes. So one weird thing about our relationship and all the time we've been together, the many, many years, um, over 20 years that we've been together is the fact that you, for many of those New Year Eves, have been working um, that night. So we normally don't get a chance to spend that together. So I think this is the first time that we spent New Year's Eve together in a good while. Yeah, at least like four or five years. Yeah, which was, it was kind of nice. Granted, you know, it wasn't with all the, you know, shebang that you usually you know, see with like fireworks and things like that, because with the pandemic, people are staying in. But they were still shooting. They shoot, <laughs> shoot, shoot. Oh, it made you look. <laughs> yeah, sadly, that is the thing. I, You know what? And you and I have talked about that. Like, even when I lived in the woods in grad school. Yes. I don't think people were like shooting back then where I was at. So I'm surprised that people shoot their guns up here. Yeah. They don't have fireworks, so they just say, well, we got pistolas. Yeah. As long as they aim up and not at us. But even then, that's a dangerous thing, though. Yes, it is very dangerous. The bullets have to come down, right? They do. And hopefully not towards me. It is very funny having to take the dog out at 11.56 p.m. at night just to make sure that we don't um, Get get caught up. And he was still like popping off like at eleven fifty six, because you could smell like the smell of gunmetal or, you know, like that kind of residue smell and, in and, the air. And let me let me just stop and say it's 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 not like everywhere in Chicago does it and Chicagoland does it. And I feel like it's important for us to say that is because when some people talk about quote unquote Chicago, they make it seem like the second you cross the city limits, it's like nothing but like gunfire everywhere. And that is not the case at all. Yeah, that's Chicago's problem. But no, no. what I'm trying to say is there are certain pockets of the area that has a tradition of shooting off guns, just like in the country where I lived in Mississippi, even though the area that I individually stayed in in Gulfport didn't do it. There were places around Mississippi that it was a tradition to fire off their rifles to mark the new year. So I just wanted to say that, that yeah, we did hear it and you did smell it, but that's not to indicate that the whole area is like that. And it's sad that we have to do that, but it always bothers me when people like denigrate Chicago because Chicago, I feel like it's my home. I'm one of those people that's like, you know, take off earrings if you talk about my city. (laughs) You don't live in Chicago. I live on the south, south side of Chicago. Thank you. Once again, we live in the suburbs of (laughs) Northwest. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, are you going to finish that? (laughs) We're just off the edge, you know, but we're not, you know, city people. Look, when we watch commercials or when we watch television, where's the content from? The Chicago. Okay. When we see offers that are extended, does it say 
city of Chicago or it says Chicago land. Chicago land. We are part of the land in Chicago land. Okay, close enough. I, I get it. Thank you. I'm sorry, Gail. Enough. <laughs> oh, don't. Yeah, I'm pulling that card. Don't, don't, don't try. Yes. <laughs> it was not cute when she did it. And if you're wondering, we were talking about, gosh, what was the name of that woman who did that? Who cares? Yeah. It we're was, not giving her the pub. Yeah, it was that woman who tackled that poor 14-year-old kid for an iPhone. And then had the audacity. When she got interviewed by Gail, <laughs> she was just like, no, 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 Gail. No, enough. I was like, girl, did you see what she did to R. Kelly? <laughs> do you want her to do that to you? Now, Robert. <laughs> I'm like, She's hey. friends with Oprah. She can make your Ricky ass disappear. Yeah, I was about to say, <laughs> if, you, if you hear a knock at the door and you're Stedman, and Stedman has a solemn look on his face, you know you messed up. <laughs> I mean... You do that to Gil King. Gil could just pick up a phone and say, Oprah. <laughs> I mean, come on. Yeah, Gail King has the entire CBS News division, even before you get to Oprah, to worry about. So thus, I think you're, I, I would worry, but hey, but yes, girlfriend messed up. So thus, I'm just going to drag her without giving her, a, you know, a nameplate. But anyway, moving on. Well, Outside of, you know, getting lots of rats and it was nice for me because my nonprofit was closed um, for two weeks. So that gave me time to kind of recuperate and get myself back in order. Gosh, what else did we do um, in the time that we were away? We did some adulting with the house. We did some adulting with the house. Yes. I'm very proud of you. With that. Okay. <laughs> Once that, again, that would be Kitty Fight Club. That did not sound well at all. Yeah. Should That's we, okay. Should we be worried about that? If the dog comes back and he, his nose is bumped up, well. I see his tail. Okay. His but, tail ain't what I'm worried about. But you know what? Jelly Bean, like, talks him. Yes. Okay, here he comes. I, I think he's okay. I swear this cat He's retreated to the couch. <laughs> what do you call it? Like, you know, the kid, like the little cat comes out and he does like his little backpack kid dance. Taunts <laughs> Braxton. <laughs> That's a good one. That's literally what it is. He's yeah. just like, hello, over here. And then it's like shocked when the dog chases him. You called him over like a siren. <laughs> yeah. Comes out screaming. Yeah, 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 yeah. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Dog is finally like, all right, I've heard enough of this. All right, I'm, I'm going to chase you there. down. Yeah. And then the cat's like, oh, my God, whatever did I do? All of a sudden, he's like, I need to speak to your manager. And <laughs> I need to speak to your manager. Ooh, yes, yes, that is true. <laughs> this is the entertainment portion of what happens in the house. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Right up until, like, you know, the dog runs back there, like, you know, tries to get through the pet gate, can only get his head through because his head's so damn big. And literally, like, he's stuck there almost like a guillotine. What do the cast do? Starts boxing his nose. Poor baby. He just wants to play with him. He just wants to make friends. One thing I have to say, because during our time off, we've also been taking him to 
the trainers, right? Braxton is, he, he just, he will never be a guard dog. Not that that was the reason why we adopted him, but I've determined that he just loves everyone and everything. And he just gets so excited about people. She, no, I'm keeping him a, we don't need to say that. We, we, he's a he's, vicious, oh, come evil, on. like literally he will, mang, like, he will mangle steel. He is the biggest, well, okay, technically he has. Yeah. <laughs> we won't got to talk about that. I need to have that replaced. But <laughs> he literally is like the biggest meatball in the world. He's a meatball that will mangle steel and jack you all up. And that's the appearance we're keeping up. He will lick you to death, people. <laughs> after he does, you know, after he's done beating you up. <laughs> he will do none of those things. The bruises on my arms and legs testify for me. Can we do a little bit of bragging with the adulting and get back on track? Sure. Okay, adulting. <laughs> Speak on it. You don't want you don't want to brag on your no no you do all, uh, you brag for me or us yes so over the holiday break and the time that we were gone Big Daddy and I installed our first toilet in the home <laughs> and of course this happened over several days um, and it was one of those things where. Something happened with what do you call that thing in the little tanky? The little thing in the tanky. Shut up. <laughs> that's how we know this is what we came to the people at Home Depot with. Yeah, that's literally what I said. Of like, look, there's something wrong with the little tanky and the little water flush thing. It's so a we flush de- valve. Okay, and we decided we're just going to replace the whole thing because it happened on a Saturday, and we were just like, oh crap, we'll we'll have to call a plumber. And of course, we'll get charged extra. And it's like in the middle of the day on a Saturday. And so I'm like, you know, let's look at a YouTube video and see where we can replace the flush valve. I was ready to call the plumber. No, the, the goober was ready to go all hands on like Rosie the Riveter and do it YouTube style. I was not uh, initially along for the project. Right. And so we looked at the YouTube video. And then you looked at me and said I was insane. And so I thought, well, that toilet's like hella old. Why don't we just replace the toilet? And that flush valve thing should already be installed. And you looked at me like, oh, so you think that's going to be easier? So we found another YouTube video, and it was like four minutes and 37 seconds from Home Depot on how to replace a toilet. And I thought, oh, well, that looks easy. We can totally do that. So let's go buy a toilet. Do you know anything about buying a toilet? No. I've sat on plenty of toilets, so I I figured, hey, that's as much as you need to know. (laughs) (laughs) So we go into Home Depot. We found a really great person. By the way, can I just say, the Home Depot and, is it Maryville or Hobart? Uh, Technically, I believe it was Hobart, Indiana. There's a Home Depot in Hoburn, Indiana. The person who helped us, his name is Greg. If you're ever in the area and you need help, Greg is your man. Because Greg took such good care of us. Because the deal was, you were unsure that you would be able to do that because of your vision. And so I'm like, hey, the video is only four minutes and 57 seconds. 
I'll do it. Yeah, I'm not handy. <laughs> I'm not your Overton Wakefield Jones, but I'm I'm willing to, to fake. So we went there. Well, actually, we talked to one other person, and he wasn't very helpful. And then we decided on the toilet, although we want to find another, a different toilet. But the toilet that we decided on initially said you just need what a level, a wrench, was it? Yeah. Um. Some shims, shims. Some shims, um, cock, <laughs> the little putty knife thingy. Thingy, yeah. Always a big fan of thingies. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> the entire toilet. <laughs> well, yes, the entire toilet. Yeah. <laughs> but they have everything else you need. So we're like, oh, and it needed something, and this is important. It needed, what was it, a su- water supply line. This will become important later on. Do we have a water supply line? Well, yes, Jennifer, JJ, that is what the toilet is connected to. Okay. So we go and we buy the other stuff. We're looking for a level. We run into Greg. Greg was like Superman and like explained everything to us. Talked us all the way through it. Talked us all the way through it, into it, out of it. He was amazing. Seriously. And so... I was just like, yes, we can do that. So then he asked, do you have a channel wrench? Big Daddy said yes. So I was like, okay, we do. Channel locks. Channel locks. Yes. channel thingy. <laughs> you can tell I do this very often. Yes. <laughs> so we give everything. We start putting it together. And then we realize... We were missing a couple things. One, we were missing set channel locks. So I had to go to four stores to track down the channel locks so that you could remove the toilet. Okay. While I was gone, you removed the toilet. It didn't tell me. Okay. So first of all, (laughs) what you went and got was a crescent wrench. My neighbor had a, a small pipe wrench, which did the job, but... When we initially came across this issue, because it was a you know the upper and lower bowl, um, that I just manned up and said screw it. So I just took out the entire bowl and just took it outside, and I was getting ready to just like completely destroy it before disposing of it. Uh, my neighbor just happened to show up then with the pipe wrench while the goober was away. And is still mad at me to this moment about the fact that she had to go to four stores to find said crescent wrench while I was at home. Well, completely undoing the right part of the toilet. So (laughs) there was that. So long story short, we got everything together. Yes. And so I was like, yes. First of all, that video was deceptively (laughs) simple. Took us way more than the four minutes. And, and yes, I realize obviously it's not a time elapsed time well, okay. video. That's but true. But still, I was kind of hoping it wouldn't take as long as it did. Well, you it took us several yeah. days. No, no, it didn't. No, no. Okay, let me re, let me <laughs> run that back for a second because. Okay. <laughs> okay, so first of all, the we started this on a Sunday because we just, it was too late on Saturday to start. But I'm willing to say the Four, first four hours of the, the process, most of the process was removing the old toilet. 
which was a very old toilet that we had to do a lot of work to remove. So most of the process was actually the old toilet removal. So the YouTube video was helpful, but most of it, yes, was like getting rid of the old toilet and putting in the new one. So there was that. And the several days was because of what happened after we actually put in the, you know, the new toilet. So remember that water supply line that, you know, it said for us to look and make sure. So we did have it. To be fair, we did have it. It came with the house. It came with the house. (laughs) However, unbeknownst to us, it was too short. So we had this like fabulous new toilet that we could not use. And of course, it's kind of hard to stay in a house with no toilet. <laughs> hey, I was willing to, you know, to rough it, but the goober was not quite into the uh, the bush training. <laughs> you know, it's a little different for women than it is for men. Okay. I've explained the, <laughs> the schematics to you. <laughs> yes, she did. And I agree. <laughs> so we actually spent a couple days in a hotel while we were finishing it up, which was sort of surreal. Um, but I realized in a way it was sort of a blessing in disguise because after quarantining for like, it seemed forever and not leaving our house, being in a different space, it almost felt like a working vacation. Um, With a dog. Well, yeah, especially for the dog, because we're like, okay, we've brought like a nice bed and, you know, we paid extra. So they even had a lounging space for the dog. Nah, he wanted the bed. (laughs) And the little bastard took it. (laughs) So after that. (laughs) So, yeah, after like, you know, the first day of like, you know, him lounging all over the bed. Yeah, Braxton decided that that whole hotel was his. So he would go outside and he would run up and greet people. He would like poke his head in the pantry. It would be like, okay, um, look. Had me run up and down hills. <laughs> now I, I know I set this credit card for incidentals, but I'm hoping that what you didn't do <laughs> is get us run up out of here. So you just need to chill out just a bit. Barking at shovels. And of course, everyone was like, oh, my God, he's so cute. And I'm just like, you have no idea. No, you have to like, yeah, (laughs) then you walk him in. So we had to order like a side piece. Uh, It was a side piece. No, instant piece. I was about to say, I was like, man, I wish (laughs) I had known this. We did not order a side piece. We ordered an extension. We finally found an extension that was able to get. Um. Get the said toilet connected. Yes. So afterwards, I I have to admit we we felt like you know we were like badass homeowners because I think that's the first do it yourself job that we've ever done ourselves successfully. Yes, and I have to give a shout out because the original idea was for me to put it together, and you just started working your way and getting it disconnected, and the next thing I know, you put together the whole toilet. So yay. Yeah, I was feeling long <laughs> emboldened after, well, <laughs> taking the toilet outside with the assumption that I was just going to break the thing into pieces. And, well, I felt mainly after carrying the thing outside, so I think I just kept going. Yes. So, that was what we did on our break. 
Adulting. Adulting. <laughs> and finally, like many of you during our time off, and you know what, Big Daddy and I, we talked about whether or not we were going to bring it up in the podcast, but you know, it's kind of difficult to talk about pop culture like we do without talking about certain news events, even though we try to stay away from politics. But like many of you, you know, we saw the transition with the inauguration that recently took place. More importantly, we saw what happened on January the 6th um, leading up to the inauguration where a group of white supremacists and QAnon conspiracy theorists and just, you know, Proud Boys and just other people, people who had a difference of opinion with, I don't know, democracy and voting and the sanctity of the Capitol building and as such. We, we watched that like many of you. And of course that colored our time off. Um, We watched way too much news. Yeah. It just seemed like. (sighs) (laughs) You going to be okay. Well, I'm just, you know, we, we have production meetings before every podcast. Right. And so we were talking like, you know, how are we going to address it? Are we going to bring it up? Are we not going to bring it up? It seems fake to not bring it up. Okay. Especially given how much it affected us. And, and just the many layers to what happened because essentially what they were doing, they were pissed that their candidate didn't win the election. You know, they say that 74 million people voted for him. Well, the problem was 80 something million people people voted for the winner. And that kind of, when you add that plus the electoral college, that means that person won. That's usually how it works. And, you know, everything leading up to it, how they wanted to disenfranchise certain areas, areas, mind you, that largely had Black voters. And essentially what that marks said to me was how dare, you know, people who do not look like us dictate what we feel should be the way the country is ran. Okay. And we're... That'll be a dog also no. voicing his opinion. Yes. Hey. Bracky. Thank you. Hey. Hey. Thank you so much. All right. You get three seconds. All right. I know that's for the loud people. I'm so sorry. Should we stop and... We're going to stop right there, and we'll be right back, peeps. So we are back. <laughs> if you've been listening to the podcast, um, you know you may have noticed we may have to take a break. <laughs> and um, just to kind of chill out with, the, with Braxton, our co-producer, I, I guess he had some things to say about January 6th, too. Yeah, conscientious exactly. <laughs> Opposition. <laughs> yeah, like I said, when you're recording from home and your house is your studio, you're going to run into some weird things like that. In this case, we determined that Braxton does not like snowplows. We're kind of in the middle of a huge snowstorm here in the area. 
I mean, and, not as much as the nor'easter, but but it's still pretty bad when you figure that we also have what's known as lake effect snow due to our close proximity to Northwest Indiana. It's um, Lake Michigan. So when you add all of that in, yeah, it's a lot of trucks and different things that are rolling through. And I guess Bracky did not really appreciate that. That's cool. <laughs> so we were talking about January 6th and I, I think it would be disingenuous for us to talk about our time off without talking about that day and certainly the changeover with the new administration and what that entails. Um, and what kind of food they were serving at the insurrection. <laughs> Wait, they had preferred food at the insurrection? I didn't know this. I don't know. I'm sure it was everything with mayonnaise for all we know. Probably unseasoned everything. Yeah. <laughs> Bet you a whole <laughs> lot of avocado toast. <laughs> that is probably true, sadly. That's right, kids. But yeah, that's all I could think of right now. That was the best way I was going to keep it as close to food and pop culture as I could. And maybe Diet Coke, because did you remember that weird thing that we learned about 45 before Biden went in that he had a button that if you press it, someone brought him Diet Coke? Yeah, she told me about this, and I actually, like, agreed with him. I'm like, this is a perk of the White House? Hell, <laughs> I'm starting to like this now. Well, first of all, it is not a perk of the White House. I've never heard that before um, Before him. I guess it was, like, a special button he added in, which I have to say is hilarious. So It's kind of like the easy button at Staples or whatever it was, <laughs> Office Depot. But instead of that was easy, you hear, that is Coke. Or yeah. Diet Coke. It's like press the button. Diet Coke. It's like the bathroom. Like, hello? Yes. So Diet they, Coke. So they probably have like plenty of Diet Coke there because that's, they're all clones of his. And so if he drinks it, they probably drink it too. I don't know what they drink. They're probably like, you know, putting stuff in the Diet Coke. But nonetheless, yes, he had a <laughs> Diet Coke button. So there's that. But outside some of the more bizarre incidents of it. Um, no, I want to know, like, okay, so first of all, because I, I want to have fun with this, because the subject of the insurrection is going to be hellish enough, but, okay, so first of all... You're, like, really stuck on the Diet Coke button. Yes, I am, because, you know, <laughs> I, I, I would like to have a Diet Pepsi button installed, like, you know, on the side of this desk. And I would like to often, often think to myself, okay, so if 45 had a Diet Coke button... And I'm sure you have a real bowl button. Also, I'm thinking, so what did Barack Obama have, you know, as a button in his White House? Well, first of all, it was my understanding that the button was kind of weird to 45. I don't think they actually had that. So you're saying Barack Obama. didn't have like, you know, one where it was like, okay, everything is kind of getting a little crazy. You know, he presses the button and I don't know, there's some fajitas that come out or... You know, Barry says, like, you know, I want, like, a burger. Okay, first of all, why would it be that? And fajitas? Maybe first of all, he's from Chicago. It would be, like, Harold's Chicken or something. Okay, that's cool. I would want a button that gets Spence's Harold's Chicken. We don't know. You know, <laughs> you know, but, you know, since Brock, like, you know, went all goofy on, I forgot which talk show he was on. He said, like, you know, he preferred New York pizza to Chicago. He's dead to me now. Well, not truly, but 
nonetheless, um, yeah, I'm thinking Brock says, hey, like maybe I want like a veggie turkey burger or something. Or whatever Michelle, like, you know, would let him have. Or maybe like, I don't know, maybe you want like, like a little beer or something. And Braxton's back. The producer is alive. One. And what would Joe Biden have you know, as his button? You know, it's like some Bengay or something. Okay, that's awful. Hey, you know, since he's tripping over his dog, the producer, then, yeah. We don't know what Biden has in his, you know. Okay, I, I feel like we've gotten off track talking about the insurrection, but here, here's what I've learned about the button. Okay. okay. So, according to... um. I want a Diet Pepsi button. According to an, a paper called The Independent, a former White House communication aide said that 45 would use a button to jokingly make off Oval Office visitors nervous. Out of nowhere, he would press the button, and then certainly a student would enter carrying a glass with Diet Coke on a silver platter, and he would burst out laughing. But he didn't add the buzzed about and frequently buzzed button to the White House. The button and the wooden box that houses it were rumored to be installed by Lyndon B. Johnson so he could be worn when the First Lady was on her way to see him. Oh. Uh-huh. It's Scythe a Scythe button. button. <laughs> yes. Okay, this is I didn't know LBJ worse. got down like that. <laughs> Ooh, them Texans. Subsequent presidents have used it to summon aides when they needed something. In his book, Fighting My... Okay. Richard Branson said, okay, this answers Obama. Okay. I did not name the book, so I'm just going to read what it says, so according to Food and Wine. In his book, Finding My Virginity, Richard Branson said that Barack Obama had buttons, plural, on his desk. When we stood up to leave, I noticed the red buttons, and Obama saw me looking at them. He said, they used to be there for emergency, but now I just use them for ordering teas for my guests. Aww. For ordering teas. Yes. That is so, so vapid. I love that idea. I was like, maybe they like they were like the nuclear like punch buttons, but now he's like, now I, I use them for like to order Kool-Aid. <laughs> oh my god, you I would want red, a red Kool-Aid button. That's right. The red <laughs> one, the grape one. That's right, kids. Oh my god. See, that's so, that's the buttons we need to have. So Biden seemed to have scrapped the idea of the button entirely, but it could be used to return to the desktop if he changed his mind. Although the first lady has said that the new president prefers, and this is interesting, Coke Zero to Diet Coke. Okay. His love of ice cream is real documented too, which is true. Like, remember during the Democratic convention when they introduced him, his daughters and granddaughters said that he really loved ice cream. Okay. So that would be awesome to have like a button for Ben and Jerry's. Okay, I give I give him credit. See, that would be something that I would I would see Joe Biden have. But I think that's hysterical. It was a side piece button <laughs> from Lyndon Baines Johnson. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, now now that I think about it, a button for red Kool Aid would actually be pretty pretty damn dope. I would love that. 
Red button, great button, orange button. Nobody wants an orange button. No. <laughs> Lemonade button. Well, no, no. The orange button would be orange Santa. No. Or high C. Orange Does anybody high C? really get down with the high C? Oh my God, yes. Okay. Never mind. Dude. Or maybe I'm thinking Tang. Well, no, no one likes Tang. Okay. <laughs> We we ain't trying to like neglect <laughs> Tang, but yeah. Or, or no, no, Sunny D. Okay, never mind. No one likes Sunny D. Hmm? <laughs> also, I didn't know that Joe Biden was not one for beer. Really? Yeah, you know, like famously when uh, former President Obama had the the like, beer summit, the beer summit with uh, the professor, the police officer. And Joe Biden, Joe Biden's beer wasn't really full beer. That is fascinating. I never knew that. Yeah. Joe Biden is not a beer drinker. Well, I feel that Braxton's intervention has thrown us off track about January 6th. Um, I was trying to lighten it up, but yes, the insurrection <laughs> is a problem. And I, I guess, you know what? Now that I think about it, there's been a ton of things already said in the media about it. Um, so he's trying to keep me from getting on my 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 soapbox and really <laughs> delivering my sermon. For well, no, day. I mean, it's just it's horrifying for a number of reasons, and the most frustrating part is the audacity of thinking that you could essentially take away our right to vote. Um, and many people who look like us because it doesn't fit your white supremacist, white nationalist dream for this country. This country is our country too. And as someone who has family members who have been injured while seeking their right to vote back in the day, who've lost family members and our family as they tried to seek their right to vote um, in the civil rights movement, I'm offended that it happened. It really, I mean, Big Daddy could tell you that it really did affect me to the point where I was just visibly just angry and crying and all over the place. And then still trying to deal with, I, I had to work that day. I mean, it was a work day. So just the insanity of watching this with my mouth open and like, oh, wait, I have to jump on a marketing call. Right. <laughs> Let me try to get my shit back together. <laughs> yeah, that was heavy. And then hang up. And then I looked at you and I was like, I'd like you to go to the store and get some, um, what was it? Some slice and base cookie dough. <laughs> yeah, she was very heavy, heavy on the cookie dough that day. I, I'm just going to hit that. And because it's comforting. Yeah. And the thing is, I'm not one of those people who are foolish enough to think that this is not our America, because it is our America. And for all of you people out there who are shocked by that, well, many people, um, black and brown people, have probably warned that this is kind of a thing. Now, did we think it would come to the point where people were actually going into you know, the Capitol building and willing, I mean, there were people there who came with like knives and like zip ties and they were threatening to kill people. Dude, I mean, did I think it would go to that logical end that day? 
probably not. And I say logical and sarcastically because obviously that's not <laughs> the way that, you know, people should act in a democracy. But the sad thing is that we've lived in two Americas for a while. We have. And I just hope that as people start to evaluate what happened, that they can really start to be honest with themselves about the fact that the only way that we're going to survive as a democracy is if for we finally get a hold of, you know, the two Americas that we've been living in. I mean, the fact remains is the thing that really got me was these people were like, they were there. They were like talking to the media. They were like sending it and posting it on their Facebook pages and stuff. And Joy um, Reed um, from MSNBC said it best where, you know, there's a segment of white America that never fears the cops and things to the point where they felt that they can do that. Meanwhile, you and I, we we're on this podcast. We don't use our government with these podcasts. Hell no. Nah. <laughs> you can, I mean, I'm sure you it's can not like this, Yeah, it's not like we say anything com- controversial in the podcast, but I'm just like, look, you black people working in corporate America, we, we just got to protect our interests. Meanwhile, these people go on whole ass insurrection journeys where they rent out planes and go there and then are shocked when they're caught. I'm like, yeah, girl, because you went on camera and said it. And <laughs> what then, you expected? Yeah. And then they end up going to jail and then getting mad because they're not served vegan or organic food. Oh, my God, that guy. Oh, that, that was just insane. His mother's like, well, he is not eating because he can only eat organic food. You're going to eat what Bubba tell you to eat. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, look, if Mr. Shaman looked like one of us, or an actual shaman, I'm sure things would be way different. <laughs> Shut up and eat the pork chop. <laughs> mm-hmm. Let me also interject this. This is just my take, and I'm going to take an alternative view. Okay. Not so much of, you know, my, my, my view of the insurrection takes it on this purpose. The goober makes very large statements, and I agree with everything she says. Also with this, you made a full right decision, whether or not you, quote unquote, did this upon leadership from the former president now or the people who, quote unquote, led you, whoever led you, you made a decision. You entered a Capitol building. And you decided to make a mockery of that Capitol building because you had a disagreement there's a way that we, as people, were told to handle disagreements. And the thing was, this is how you chose to handle that disagreement. Also, the White House was built so many years ago on the backs of other people that, you know, the sacredness of the White House was built, you know, because, you know, this is quote, quote, America's home. Well, the Capitol is also a place now that is made for the legislatures to make laws, amend laws, to build our, quote, unquote, America's, how how many ever there are. And you decided to desecrate that 
This is a building now that is being inhabited, the Capitol building that was laid, you know, where the Honorable Representative John Lewis laid in wake at one point. This is a, a place that is now inhabited by Irish Americans, Scottish Americans, English Americans, also African Americans, Native Americans, Asian Americans, Middle Eastern Americans. These were, and so many others, please forgive me. But also, you made a decision that you were going to desecrate this building because you had a disagreement. And you know what? Everything that comes to you, whether it be on this earth or past that, is now on your head. That's it. That's all I have. Sorry, I just, I'm not sure how I can follow that. There's no, <laughs> I had to get, okay, I'm sorry, I'm off. No, 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 and you're fine. And I'm so sorry for the background noise. You guys probably hear me giving treats to the fur to kind of get him to cooperate with us as we record. Um, the Yeah, our producer dog got jacked up. Our producer. <laughs> um, And you're right. I mean, there's just. You flew the Confederate flag in the Capitol, Capitol building. building. Who the hell does that? At one point, there was video of them taking down the American flag and putting up the flag for 45. And I'm just like, clearly, you're not here for America. You're just here for your racist view of it. And the thing that really got me upset was at one point, there's video of them going into the chambers and they're you know, looking for the people. And at one point they had the audacity to stop and say a prayer. And I'm just like, who are you praying to? What are, what are you looking to do with this? I mean, this, the idea that they totally thought they're on the right and they have every right to do all of this. And they went back and here's the thing, people. They went back and they, they're your child's teachers. They went back and to being your dentists. Going back to being your police officers. Right. They, there were police officers there. And so for many people who are horrified by this, they're just now waking up to the knowledge that we have known. And we have known for generations. I, I mean, I think the thing that gets me now is people are just so bold about the fact that they're no longer hiding under their white sheet, why should they? They're pretty proud about it. So what are we going to do as a nation because of this? I mean, it's a, it's enough that we said over last summer that Black Lives Matter. We want to hopefully make sure that beyond that, that we say that our nation matters, that diversity and and diversity of who we are as a nation, we all matter um, in a way that we can live without fear of facing these individuals in our everyday lives. Individuals who could have control over how we live our lives. Yeah. And for the people who are just waking up to that and being shocked by that, I mean, I'm pretty sure you could have Okay, it would be easy for me to say, I told you so. And for many black and brown Americans, 
who have been saying that this is how things are for years. Yeah, we, we did tell you so. But it's not enough to do that. We need to act on that. And we need to make sure that these individuals are brought to justice and that we take what we feel, we take this feeling right now and we continue it on so that we create a more equitable space for all of us. All of us, not just some of us or a few of us. Right. Because, you know, for those of you who got that wake up call on that day, imagine how it must feel for, you know, by POC, black and indigenous and other people of color Mm -hmm. every day sometimes feels like that. You know what also bugs me? What's that? That everything we're seeing right now, everything that they felt January 6th, is we're about to go into February right now. Right. Not so much of we're going into Black History Month, but more the fact that as we go into February and they're about to begin a quote-unquote trial um, about the um, impeaching the impeachment of Donald Trump, uh, former President Donald Trump, uh, January 6th is now trying to be, I don't want to say splained away, but it's the fact that, like, as a person who works in the media, I tend to believe that this is going to become, you know, get washed away in the cycle. That it's going to kind of get, you know, now that everything kind of leveled off for a little bit, that everybody's going to be like, well, you know, now that we had a clear head and that, you know, everything is getting, you know, quote unquote, that, you know, since the former president is a, you know, private citizen, that we should just kind of, be, you know, let this be. And, that these people are just, you know, they they were just angry about the election, which occurred in November, and that, you know, we should just kind of like, you know, work on that, quote, unquote, please forgive me, air quotes, unity clauses. You know what? Your unity clause went to shit years ago, hundreds of years ago. There never was unity. And you're just going to like, you know, like with everything that has occurred, you know, that has pushed this country, it's just going to get pushed aside in the news cycle. So thus, you're going to have to forgive me if I'm not that, you know, believing of the rest of this country, that you're willing to make change. And you know what? Maybe we'll end with that only because of the fact that. I'm taking too much time. Well, no, no. We had to get this out. Okay. We went, like I said, we went back and forth in the production meeting and we were just like, you know, it, it would be wrong for us not to say how we're feeling because we've been sitting on it for a while. And we do share our thoughts on the show. I, I think I there's a lot of people who'd rather call for unity as opposed to face um, facts over what happened and what led to what happened. Mm-hmm. and to apply accountability. And to me, the call for unity seems a little bit hollow uh, without adding accountability to the unity. Of course, it's going to squeak its joy right now because like when I used to work um, for the nonprofit organization where I work with youth um, and social justice issues, 
the one thing I would advise them, it's, it's never the job of the oppressed to, um, I mean, this is not the job of the oppressed to teach the oppressors how to be better people. This is not our problem that we created. This is something that you have to do. It's not fair um, to ask individuals, you know, march in historically marginalized communities to clean up after your dirty work. This is something that you need to go back to your communities and talk to individuals that you know who might be feeling this way, who might have had a hand, who even though they may not be watching, they may not have marched on the Capitol that day, they may still have funded it or supported it or aided and abetted someone who've done so. I mean, there are thousands of people that are there. They've only arrested, I think, 500 so far. So odds are there are many people out there who know someone who knows someone. It's not going to get better unless the accountability factor is a part of it. True. And for to ask us to unify without healing that hurt, there's a major breakdown in that. You know, and it's not going to be re- restored. I mean, a good part of restoration, um, restorative justice, which I've come to know and really believe in, is the accountability factor. You can't just say, I'm sorry for shooting you in the foot unless you take ownership of the fact you shot someone in the foot, right? Ah, shot me in the ass. <laughs> exactly. And so that's going to have to be a meaningful part of it. And that has to be a conversation. And those conversations are uncomfortable, but you know what else is uncomfortable? Change. And that's why change is a beautiful thing. Because in the end, it's sort of like when a caterpillar goes to metamorphosis to a butterfly. This is an example I used to give the students. The idea that it was not an easy change. It's a physical change, right? Okay. And I imagine as, you know, you shift off certain things and you have the cocoon spin around you, that obviously when you go through that physical change, that body change, there's going to be some pain involved. But when you're done and you get to where you were meant to be, you know, the butterfly, you know, there's a freedom in that when you break through the cocoon. It's the same thing when you make a change on a societal level. It means that you have to own up to it. You have to go through the pain of actually going through and having the conversations and accepting what your role may be playing in systemic barriers that causes inequities in society, wherever they may lie, whether it's healthcare or food insecurities or even just benefiting from you know, things that are there um, that are designed to keep some people elevated above others. Through no fault of your own, but you may have benefited from society nevertheless. Identifying that can be a painful experience. But once you move on to that, what you get on the other side of it is far more rewarding. That is so beautiful. People, People just have to accept that. And the thing is, no one wants to feel pain. They don't. There's no fun in that. But it's part of growth. And we're in a stage as a country right now that we're going through that physical pain. 
and we can either go back and ignore it, which we have done, you know, as a society where it's just like, oh my God, that's just really terrible. And a year later we forget about it. Well, you can't forget about people marching on the Capitol now. So we're at that metamorphosis stage where we can either face the pain and go through it and come out beautiful on the other side, or we just stay stuck in the transformational stage. And it's not up to those who are oppressed in order to make that decision. Okay. That was cool. I like it. Yours was, was the last squeeze of man. Cause I was just going, I was going to take the example of, you know, low kids growing up and catching that puberty. What? I was going to make an example of puberty, but I, I'm thinking my example isn't nearly as nice and neat as yours. <laughs> Okay, so I tell you what, why don't we take a break? Okay. And then we can switch gears and have some fun because we are back with three stories that we know that you guys will want to know more about in the What Eating Not section. And then we are back with the best thing we ate this week. Yeah. So you're listening to the Gourmet Cooper podcast, and we will be right back. And we will find that Diet Coke button or the Diet or the Kool Aid button. No, we won't. We'll be right back. Hey guys, I'm JJ Outlaw, better known as the Gourmet Goober, and I'm here to share this great new recipe journal from author Gaby Lorano. It's a progressive cooking journal designed for short and simple recipes at the beginning before advancing with spaces for longer recipes as you go. It's colorful, fun, fits easily in the kitchen drawer, and it's perfect for any home cook. Best of all, it has over 100 pages for your most beloved culinary delights. Be sure to get your copy today at Amazon.com. This is JJ Outlaw. And she Outlaw. And we are back with the Gourmet Goober podcast and the segment where we discuss the intersection of food and pop culture that we call What's Eating Us. And we are taking advantage of this time where all the pups and the cats and all the other creatures in our house are asleep. <laughs> so hopefully we can get through this uninterrupted. In one piece, hopefully. <laughs> in one piece. Please do not be a <laughs> what a snowplow coming through here. <laughs> we can hope. Which is sad because this is something that you really want right about now. We are in the middle of, well, it's not as bad as Snowmageddon. Remember several years ago when we had that snow that was piled so high our neighbors had to come rescue us? Oh, yeah, I do remember that. <laughs> we couldn't take out our dog. And so they went across the street and they had to shovel away to open the door so we can do it. Okay. I do remember that now. That was, uh, that was kind of entertaining. I should have just left the dog where he was. Uh, no, okay. that would not have worked. <laughs> so luckily it's not that bad. So we're just going to keep our fingers together and, um, sorry, cross our fingers and make sure it stays that way. But in the meantime, we have three, 
um, stories that we wanted to share with our audience that we thought that might be of interest and definitely meets that threshold of food and pop culture. And one is actually, um, the first story rather, is actually one that, you know, stop me if you've heard of this before on the show. And that is Problem with Subway. (laughs) Subway. We make fresh, but we don't make great. (laughs) Well, Subway, the sub um, sandwich um, super chain, is now being sued um, by a couple of people out of California who claim something very unusual about the Subway tuna sandwich, mainly that it contains no tuna and it may not even contain fish for all that matter. How does that occur? <laughs> like, is tuna? I, I Look, I don't know how you fake the funk with tuna. Tuna is very basic. You know, their tuna sandwich is what? Tuna, mayo, maybe a diced celery too. I don't really, you know, now that I think about it, I think I've eaten almost everything on Subway's menu at one time, but I've never had their tuna sandwich. And I know you've never had it because you actually don't like tuna. No, I do not. Yeah, but tuna is pretty basic. So it would be hard for me to imagine. Well, actually, now that I think about it, and we'll talk about that in a minute, because I've just remembered something. What was that? (laughs) Well, okay. Remember, okay, I have a family member, and the family member actually listens to the podcast. So I'm not going to mention the family member by name. But I had a family. you You guys ever see, like, you know, like the most dangerous catch? Yes. Where, you know, you see these people on these boats and they go and they catch the fish and stuff that we eat and they're out in like crazy ass conditions, right? I had a family member, he wasn't on the most dangerous catch, although he almost had an opportunity to be on the boat that they filmed for that. But, you know, he decided he wanted some adventure in his life. And several years, it's what, I've been about a decade ago, maybe? Has it been that long? I don't know. It's been a while ago. It's let's say eight years ago. He actually left where we're from and he went up to Alaska and he did it. And it was kind of a crazy time. And he got in touch with me when he could. And, you know, I checked in with him all the time. And one of the weird things he told me when he got back from that experience was he let me know that certain restaurants, and we're not getting into restaurants because we don't want to get sued. So we're going to sprinkle it with some allegedly like Deeds and Zamiro. McDowell's. <laughs> but there are certain restaurants that he wouldn't advise eating the chicken nuggets from because he said it's not all chicken. Sometimes it's fish that's mixed in with that. This fish that is mixed in with the chicken? And the nuggets. And if you think about it, that does make sense because the way that the nuggets are actually composed, composed, it's, you know, mechanically shredded chicken. After a while, you don't really know what's in that. So that's one of the many reasons why I don't eat nuggets after having that conversation with them. That and they're really salty and I try to avoid that if I can. But yeah, so I could see it if maybe it was like other fish mixed in with the tuna. You know, like they ran out of tuna and they're like, it's all fish and throw it in. But no, they're challenging. It's not even fish. Um, That what they say, according to the Washington Post, that this lawsuit um, maintains that the fish content is really filler ingredients that are blended together 
to mimic the taste and texture of tuna. Okay, so it's like bologna? <laughs> kind of like bologna. Now, of course, Subway has maintained that this is something that is um, decidedly false. They claim, according to an interview they had with an industry um, paper called Seafood Source, that the tuna's only other ingredient comes in the form of mayo. And they say that this lawsuit is baseless. Um, the details of the lawsuit doesn't exactly say what's in the fish spread, the quote-unquote fish spread. Okay. So we don't really know, and maybe it'll come out when the lawsuit um, actually comes to trial. It's important to know that they do not have a scheduled court date yet, but the case, which they filed recently, I think it was like around January 21st in California, it'll actually um, affect possibly Subway's reputation because, as we know, they have been subject to other lawsuits that we've actually talked on the show um, around having ingredients that is not so fresh as they advertise in their commercials. So, for example, we all remember the lawsuit that was recently settled in Canada where they actually, Subway actually sued the CBC, I think. Okay. Um, and we talked about on the show the fact that their roasted chicken sandwich does not contain chicken, <laughs> which is insane. Hmm. It doesn't actually have enough chick percentage of chicken in there to be called a chicken sandwich, according to them. And this, it just refresh your uh, memory. This is a story where they actually went on and tested a lot of chicken sandwiches that is um, sold in Canada under different chains. And they even said, you know, we understand just kind of like the story with the nuggets, which again, I will not name the chain. <laughs> See. They're McDowell's. <laughs> Don't even do that because no. now they'll think that we're hinting for something else. No. I am not saying a word, okay? <laughs> but he came back and he was kind of disgusted, especially since that used to be one of his favorite things to eat. And he goes, yeah, it's not all chicken. I'm like, what's in it? Fish. And I'm just like, hmm, okay, we're going to skip that. So. <laughs> I wonder what be, I wonder if like, you know, as you said with the, Canada account. Right. Maybe as opposed to tuna, maybe they found, you know, their content of chicken and maybe they're putting chicken where the tuna should be. Maybe they're making up for lost time and putting chicken. And the tuna fish? And the tuna fish. You know, just because they have an expanse of them right now. Uh, not really sure about that. That's right. Subway is investing <laughs> in yard bird. You may also remember that they some time ago also ha was involved with litigation out of Ireland who maintained that Subway's bread is not really bread. So <laughs> I do remember that. Um, and that's after I think there was another lawsuit um, where they also discovered that maybe Subway's bread had materials that was previously also used for um, non-edible items such as yoga mats. You know, this is definitely lessening my yard, my yearn, as you will, for uh, running down, you know, down the street to the subway, but mm, no, nah, I'm still eating it. Okay, you're eating it, except for the tuna, of course, because you don't eat tuna. True. <laughs> 
they also claim that it's not, you know, that their footlongs aren't always footlongs. Oh, that's right. They had that that lawsuit. I forgot about that. Where someone was pissed because the footlong sandwich was not technically a footlong. Which, you know, I got to give them credit for that. Because I would never in my wildest dreams imagine going to Subway with like a tape measure. Like, yo, let me see that bread over there. <laughs> That's like. Ten inches and a quarter. That's not a foot long. I wonder if they Who get to like to do yeah, that. <laughs> that would be interesting. Like you know, they get to like ten and a half inches, and they say, "Okay, we need to stretch it. What can we do? <laughs> Try like stretch it out. Like maybe like like you know, they yank them a few times just to get that out." Okay, this is turning into yes, something different entirely. Yes, it is. We are trying to sell ourselves off in some podcasts that. Is modulate family friendly? Maybe we shouldn't talk like that. You know, in just in case they want to get that five or six dollar foot long, they keep yanking and yanking and yanking. Anyway. Stretch the bread like yoga mats. Stretch. But yeah, maybe that's how they're stretching and tuning. Yank. Oh my god, this is totally going off the rails and it's early. Maybe it's you know, the tuna is like, you know, from spam or something we don't know about. It would be kind of interesting. First it's of like, all, mm-hmm. I a spam sandwich at Subway, I would eat that. You would. Because I, and I think I've talked about this before. I kind of really like spam. <laughs> There's no shame in eating it. It's really, really good. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll discuss my love affair with spam one day which of course i have to avoid because it is kind of salty yes but every once in a while just kind of like the other weird things i crave like ramen for example (laughs) i'll crave a spam sandwich (laughs) anyway to be fair subway actually put out a tiktok one of their employees showing um how the tuna salad is made amid all the controversies so it looks like this is something that they're um, going to be pushing back on at least you know in the near future as they try to um you know react to the lawsuit is this like pulling back the curtain and seeing how the sausage is made i think it's literally pulling back the curtain and seeing how the sausage is made or at least the tuna sandwich <laughs> maybe they have a creative way of making the sausage <laughs> i just like saying sausage Okay, I think you're trying to tell me something with the sausage. No, just like me saying the word moist. You know, it's just maybe they have very moist tuna. I don't know what you're trying to do saying that word. That word has no effect on me. Okay. Off cam, off off mic, we were talking a couple days ago about how certain people freak out when they hear the word moist. And I was telling them, I don't get it. It's a freaking word. I just don't. It's a word. There's no word that freaks me out like that. Moist. <laughs> Are you trying to shut off half our viewers? <laughs> I don't know. Our okay. Listeners? Stop Let, it. <laughs> I take that back. Not moist. <laughs> Grimy. No. Okay. We're going to move on from that. Whether it be moist or sausage or whatever your keyword is, we're going to move on. <laughs> you sure you don't need any coffee? <laughs> no. <laughs> So, good luck to Subway and that lawsuit. Um, I actually know people, even though I've never had it, who really love the Subway 
tuna salad. They swear by it. They've actually asked me to order it in years past. So I hope for their sake that that jam is something that will work. Do they also love mayo? I know I'm using like, you know, buzzword, but I just thought I'd take a stab at it. You really should have some coffee. <laughs> Go off the deep end. When okay, coffee. When you're slap happy. <laughs> so we're going to move on to our second story, which is probably almost, in my opinion, more disturbing than what's in the tuna salad scandal at Subway. And this involves, an. let's see, how can I... This involves what, for many people, is a staple in their overall um, diet, um, and that would be Kraft mac and cheese. Kraft mac and cheese. And let me just say, the mac and cheese from Kraft, um, particularly in the blue box, and I say that like the little blue box that you know you get. I, we've talked about it on the show. We have a lot of Canadian listeners who really love the Kraft dinner. So I don't want to upset our Canadian listeners, but I'm just saying that particular Kraft and cheese, not the one with like the the Velveeta that you can put on it. Anyway, that's uh, neither can, here nor there. Can we blame the Canadians for this? No, we cannot. Okay. Because this is clearly a Kraft thing. Kraft is like many, you know, food companies, it's looking for ways to kind of you know, drum up sales in the midst of the pandemic and getting people's interest. So one of the ways that they've actually done this is they've announced um, within the last four days a limited edition mac and cheese that is out just in time for Valentine's Day. Okay. And the spirit of nobody asked for this, they're going to be introducing candy mac and cheese. Candy mac and cheese. Yes. Candy mac and cheese. So get this. It is made like a normal mac and cheese. Okay. But the instead of the cheese powder that you normally get in the little blue box of Kraft mac and cheese or Kraft dinner, um, it'll actually contain a sweetened um, pink powder that will turn your mac and cheese hot pink. This sounds like something that Nicki Minaj came up with. Uh... Okay, no, I'm not I'm not even putting this in Nicki Minaj's <laughs> corner. Even she knows better. So they're gonna be producing about a thousand boxes of this. A thousand boxes. So and how many are gonna get returned? <laughs> well, here's the thing. You must actually enter a contest on the crap website and you could be named as one of the people to get the box of mac and cheese. Okay. So to the thousand lucky winners, <laughs> they could have their own um, bowl. Now, according to them, it's it doesn't even taste like mac and cheese. It has like a sweet candy flavor that's sweet involved. Candy flavor. Yes. Um, <laughs> and if you look at it right now, it kind of looks like a. Yeah, I mean, there's no other way. Okay, I hate to say it. It kind of looks like a Pepto-Bismol <laughs> flavored <Ew>. noodle. <laughs> Wait a minute. Ew. <laughs> Damn, did not, know, did not see that coming <laughs> at all. And 
they it, it's just something that they wanted to do to help commemorate Valentine's Day and bring couples together, possibly over their, you know, shared horror of this dish. Or break them up. <laughs> exactly. Well, that is a good point, because no offense, if you happen to serve me that on Valentine's Day, that would, you know how seriously I take mac and cheese. So that might be cause for us to go to couples therapy. Now, keep in mind, Kraft has done other crazy things in the past with their mac and cheese, because there's only so much you can do with that crazy blue, crazy orange powder. Or you could just leave it alone. (laughs) So in August, they turn into mac and cheese breakfast. Um, And then in October, I think they had um, an official pumpkin spice version of their mac and cheese. Uh, So my question would be, because they actually claimed that the pumpkin spice craft mac and cheese was really popular. Okay. And, oh, crap. You know what? Honestly, I was about to read a quote, and you were right. It is kind of Canada's fault. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't intentionally think that, but... Sorry, Canada. (laughs) Okay. According to Martina Davis, who is the brand manager of Kraft Heinz, she said um, to Food & Wine recently, after our success with the pumpkin spice Kraft mac and cheese in the fall, we had our eye on what to do next. We're always up for a challenge. And so for Valentine's Day, we thought it'd be fun to partner with our Canadian counterparts and change the color and taste of classic mac and cheese by turning it, turning it pink and adding a bit of sweet candy flavor to celebrate the holiday. So, again, my question is, one, would you... I know you're not a fan of traditional mac and cheese, because... I'm not cheese. a fan of mac and cheese, period. But would you try the candy mac and cheese? Hell to the no. But it's not even cheese like cheese, supposedly. It's like candied pasta. No. No. <laughs> Very easy. So easy, even with your sweet tooth, you're not touching that. No. <laughs> no, I am not. <laughs> if I were to become a lucky, and let me use the, the quotes, lucky winner, this most likely, and I'm under the impression that maybe some of the other, what was it, 1,000 winners? Mm-hmm. This most likely will be a novelty item that somewhere ends up on eBay. You know, that's good to know because just for shits and giggles, I put our email in. <laughs> hard to get right in one of the thousand boxes. I'm just going to let the craft company know what's going to happen <laughs> to that, that box of mac and cheese. <laughs> no. No, 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 I would not. But this is just me. I'm not the mac and cheese eater of this group. So what is your opinion? Okay. Let me just say this. Wait a minute. Let me, wait a minute. Let me clean up the soapbox here. Okay. <laughs> Continue. Would I personally eat the mac and cheese that tastes like candy? Probably not. But as I've said many times on our show and in episodes past, Macaroni and cheese is sort of a really important thing to me. <laughs> we take it seriously in our family. So the idea of eating, ooh, sorry about that, listeners. Idea of eating mac and cheese um, without, you know, breadcrumbs and not being baked and the different cheeses in doesn't really seem like mac and cheese to me. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. So would I do it? No. But that said, I also know that I have a lot of friends who have children and getting them to eat anything. It's really, really hard sometimes, especially when they're young. And I happen to know some friends whose kids would probably like dig into the cheesy or the pink mac and cheese just to be extra as children are often extra. And while I agree, do the parents like their children? Well, that's not up for me to say. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. That's between them and their kids and their psychiatrists. All jokes aside, I, I, I know of some people who would probably serve it as part of dinner. Would it be like an everything thing? No. But, you know. I'll admit, that's probably not even the craziest thing I've ever had to eat. I'm sure it's not, but still. <laughs> this is going the way of Prince's Toast. <laughs> so, I tell you what. If we get the thing of Kraft and Cheese, the box, we will show it on. Because <laughs> I think it's just like a random like drawing that they do. You just kind of give your email and um, where you live. So, who knows? Maybe we'll have our own box. And we'll become a lucky winner. <laughs> oh, goody. I may just make it for dinner one night and just see what you do. Once again, you can guarantee. <laughs> Not I. Okay. Well, let's move on from that. <laughs> Onto the realm of someplace else that we probably will not be rushing to eat besides the mac and cheese. And that is Boston Market. And if you're not familiar, Boston Market is a chain of stores, um, fast food. Well, they're called fast comfort food, where um, you can get for a certain price, like rotisserie chicken and sides. Um, And basic items. Yeah, they are known for the basic food. Yes. (laughs) But if you're a longtime listener to the Gourmet Goober, you will know that we took particular interest, as did the world, um, a couple years ago, and what was commonly known as the hashtag chicken wars. So that is basically, you know, starting with Popeyes, and then other chains kind of throw down as to see who would be the king of the fried chicken sandwich. Now, it is our humble opinion, humble. after being aficionados of the fried chicken sandwich. It is our humble opinion that Popeyes, yes, Popeyes, and I say this even though there are contenders, yes, we're talking to you, Chick-fil-A, you with the biggity but tasty chicken sandwich. Um, We still want that Chick-fil-A money, so I'm cool with you. Actually, you know what? I'm not really sure if I have one Chick-fil-A as a sponsor. No. No, we can talk about this offline, but... Because they're now open on Sunday? Well, not that. I okay. mean, let there be their own issues. But you and I, we've talked about it also in the show as well. And considering the soapbox we got on in the beginning of the show, I don't want this to be like, oh my gosh, they talk about food, but they're really preachy. Okay. But it's not even that. But it's just <clears throat> their stance on several things. Like, for example, I have loved ones and family members in the LBGTQ community. So for me to get sponsored by a company that regularly gives money to hurt that population, I 
don't feel comfortable with that. Not all money is good money. Fair. So even though they do make a good chicken sandwich, I, I would choose the Popeyes over them. Um, plus Popeyes chicken sandwich is just hella good, y'all. If y'all haven't had it yet, go get it. But <clears throat> going back to Boston Market, Boston Market has decided to also enter the chicken war chain. And um, according to the takeout, um, which is one of my favorite foodie sites, um, it's run by the same company that does like The Root and Jezebel and the AV Club. Um, love, love, love The Root. I'm just going to put it out there. We're going to interview Michael Harriet one day. I just think he'd be a great interview. <laughs> Plus, I'd love to hear what he his best thing to eat that week. I would love to hear that. But anyway, <clears throat> we learned from the takeout that Boston Market in 2021 has decided to enter the chicken wars with their own version of a chicken sandwich. And notice I didn't say fried chicken sandwich because they've made their money over the years, um, the Colorado-based chain, and serving up meals that is decidedly not fried. And that that's their whole take the fame is we serve healthier food by having that be the under-season rotisserie food that they often give up with their side side items. Good for them. So it's not a fried chicken sandwich. It okay. is indeed a crispy sandwich. A crispy sandwich. Yes. Are they roasting it? <laughs> well, no. It's it's um their take on a it it is not just a crispy sandwich. Apparently, it's battered and. I don't know. They finished it in a convection oven or something. I'm I'm not really sure how they made it. But it's their version of a Nashville-style hot chicken sandwich. Now, for those of you who are familiar with Nashville sandwiches, Nashville hot chicken, you know that saying that name kind of invokes an image. You know, you get the really great Nashville fried chicken it has that really decidedly red coating on it Fair. with the seasoning yeah. that is really piping hot. Okay. Right? Like when you have a good Nashville sandwich, one that's well-made, that thing is a thing of beauty. Yeah, it but is. Yes, your belly does feel it. <laughs> it is delicious. But I got to say, if it's anything like what they have on the takeouts, maybe they need to go back to the drawing board. Despite what the owner of the chain said, where he said, we're not in the chicken wars anymore after you eat our sandwich. It's phenomenal. Let me just say. Phenomenal. Is that the word you're going, they're going to run with? You know, sadly, I think that's what they're choosing, child, and I wouldn't do it. <laughs> okay. No, no, So, no. so let, let's just take a moment to say that Big Daddy and I, we have not tried this chicken sandwich yet. And I guess at the time in which this article was written, they only have it. And certain parts of the country. Okay. So the closest one that we have to us is in a different town. Like it's Hammond, right? Hammond, Munster. Oh, yeah. Munster. Places, yeah. yeah. There is another one. That I, I want to say like a little south of us, but yeah, I'm, I'm thinking the closest one is maybe fairly west of us. All right. So they have it um, only in a few locations. But it's part of an overall menu that they decide to roll out in order to kick it up a notch. Their words. <laughs> to okay. um, their menu. So 
the no. patties themselves, and you can check it out. I'll put the link to it in the um, actual show notes because this has to be seen to believe. In fact, it was so shocking. I almost sent a, because um, the writer who actually shared this okay. um, is based out of Chicago. Um, so I almost like emailed him just to say, is this, is this okay. for reals, right? Yeah. <laughs> he didn't like make something yourself and pass it off. Cause I was so horrified. I showed it to you and your words were literally what in the Holy hell was that? <laughs> do you remember that? <laughs> yes, I do. Those were my words and I will stick with them. But at the same time, if, Boston Market is going to be Atlanta Brave. I think I should be Atlanta Brave and try it. Okay. Well, the writer did say it's on the north side of Chicago, and I'm up for a good, you know, I'm up for a good road trip anytime. Okay. There's something. (laughs) Okay. Help me out with something. And I'm not trying to make any assertions or say anything that would be wrong. Right. I don't want to be wrong, wrong. And make stereotypes, but how many Boston markets are in the hood? Okay, I don't follow all the Boston markets, so I don't know. Okay. I know there was one in the hood growing up where I was, although you could hardly call where I lived the hood, even though we jokingly called it that. Suburbia. (laughs) But, okay, so instead of, like, dredging the chicken... And the seasoning mix, your like authentic Nashville chicken sandwich. What they do is this looks like it's just a basic um, battered chicken sandwich. It kind of looks like what you get like at McDonald's or something. And then their Nashville hot seasoning is a sauce. So they just put like a little bit of a jar of sauce on it. Um, it also looks like it just has some ranch dressing, which I got to say, you know how crazy I am about ranch dressing. I have talked about how ranch dressing is magical in my basic ass Midwestern um, childhood. Wait a minute. So does this mean but like, even you know, this when you ranch show up, not save things. <laughs> I, I just want to like, does like, as soon as you say the word ranch, does like a magic like waitress show up and hand you the ranch dressing? You laugh, but that was exactly what happened at the restaurant. Yes. Yes, it was. (laughs) So you can't really say anything because that is exactly how it went down. This is how they do it. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, it it looks like it's a larger chicken sandwich than most of the other ones. It does come with a brioche bun. But you could call that sandwich many things, but that does not look like a standard um, that is not a Nashville hot chicken sandwich. Like they kind of painted it with a brush? Actually, it looks like it's painted on. Okay. Literally. So, according to the writer, it's it wasn't very flavorful, it wasn't very hot, and at $6.99, or no, he paid $9.29 plus tax. $9.29? Yeah. So if you figure that out, I mean, the 929 on the north side of Chicago, first of all, that's about right, because food is a little bit more extra with the extra Chicago tax that they tack on. So you're saying that on the south side, it might be a different number. 
I'm saying they may not serve this on the South side. <laughs> okay. I get it. <laughs> I feel you. But it sounds like it's definitely a more of expensive choice than Popeye's KFC. Definitely more than churches, the sandwich that we tried from churches recently. Um, so, yeah, there's one more addition to the food wars that are out there. And it's sadly, from the reviews that it's getting, um, not much of an addition at all. My so, question is, why did Boston Market feel the need to jump in the crispy ch- chicken war? Because it's not like fried chicken is anything that they do. No, it's not. But, you know, they wanted to, you know, throw the hand in. You know, like they wanted, they were like Switzerland in this whole thing. And they say, all right, we're jumping in this. We we want a piece of the market. We're getting in there, but we have to stay tr- to our base. So thus, we must keep it basic. And I... <laughs> As opposed to, because we used the word basic before in this, just in this conversation, I'm of the opinion that they say, well, let's see what we can do to make it look good. And we'll hopefully it will taste good, too, because we have a specific clientele we're catering to. So here's my question. Okay. Because, again, Boston Market, which understandably is trying to expand their locations. In fact. Um, according to a recent article, they are looking to open two, no ca- two new locations per week throughout 2021. So maybe they're thinking that, you know, we've laid dormant for a while. We're not really a dominant chain, well known amongst all the other sources that make chicken. Switzerland. And we're going to, we're going to move out from being Switzerland <laughs> and expand. Denmark. But again, they are not known for fried food. So. I'm almost giving them a pass for not doing this right because one, they're hot breaded chicken, which again, they don't even call it fried chicken. They call it a crispy chicken sandwich. Um, so they're not known for this. And then they decide to throw their shoe in the race that already has organizations and restaurants that have done fried chicken decidedly better over the last, you know, 10, 15 plus years. So if they decide they want a a bit of, you know, the fried chicken wars, although got to say, man, based on that picture, you're not winning. (laughs) Sorry, Jay. Um, What other restaurants do you think is going to surprise us and try to, you know, upstage Popeye's? Because I got to say, even without Chicken Annie at the helm, (laughs) because we haven't seen her in the commercials lately, don't think they're going to be able to pull that off. I miss you, Chicken Annie. Yes, wherever you are, Chicken Annie, we miss you. <laughs> I, huh? That is a really great question. I, I did do admit. I do admit I did not think about it very well, but I don't know. Panda Express. Okay, but you know what? Panda Express does have fried chicken on their menu. It's part true. of their orange chicken. Uh huh. Maybe. Uh. White Castles? Although, does White Castles have... They have bread, like, they they do some with their chicken because I eat the rings. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, I guess that wouldn't be too crazy. Yeah. But they would have to fry it hard for them to go, like, jump in the chicken wars with that, but... I mean, I I, I admit, I eat White Castle. I eat, actually... This is my this is my my weird thing. 
I eat White Castle, but usually I don't eat the burgers as much as I eat the chicken rings. Because as the goober has said, there's no need to share that. No, I'm not. No, I'm the nugget person, whereas the goober is not. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Okay, so I actually you. eat the chicken rings or their chicken portions more than I eat their actual burgers. But no disrespect to the burgers, but it just happens to be what my, because I eat things bite size. But even their chicken rings, like they have chicken sandwiches, but it's made from the rings. Yeah. So I guess it wouldn't be the exact same. But maybe they can make, you know, they could jump in the chicken wars with like a mini chicken sandwich with brioche buttons. You know what would be really sauce. weird if like Panera did it? Yes, that would be Panera shot would be kind of like Boston Market shot. Mm. Possibly. Possibly. Because I don't think I've ever even seen anything right on their menu before. Yeah, Panera? Yeah. Because they're Panera. <laughs> or Pandora, if but you will. But at least you know the bread will be good because they're like all about the bread. I don't always know where Panera's food comes from, so maybe it comes from Panera's box. We don't know, but uh, they could take a stab at it, so why not? I have not? no idea where you're going with that. No, that's but... okay. I'm not, hey, <laughs> I'm not going deep. No, you're not. Okay, so... If anyone happens to taste a Boston Market fried chicken sandwich, Nashville crispy sandwich, rather, um, hit us up with an email, thegourmetgooper at gmail.com. Let us know what you think. Gotta say, at first glance, it does not look like it would measure up. <laughs> I do have a, another thought, though. Sure. Does How does Nashville feel about Boston Market throwing their uh, their name into the chicken wars. Ooh, I gotta say, based on this picture, they gotta be upset. This chicken is not even all brown. <laughs> <laughs> Look yeah. <at> that. <laughs> Looking at the the picture online, it actually looks like it comes from like Knoxville. Yeah, so No disrespect to Knoxville. So hit us up. Let us know what you think. Um Seriously, I I would probably take a, a pass on this particular sandwich, but um, it looks like they'll have a lot more to do to come up in order to beat churches, Chick Fil A, <laughs> even Wendy's. I think has Burger King come out with their own chicken more sandwich yet? I'm sure they have, but uh, it missed me. And I know McDonald's has has tried. Um, they are also announcing they're redoing their chicken sandwich. But of course they I, are. I, I don't think Popeyes has much to worry about. <laughs> so I tell you what, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to wrap things up with the best thing we ate this week. You're listening to the Gourmet Goober, and we will be right back. This is JJ Outlaw, better known as the Gourmet Goober, and February, as you know, is Black History Month. And to celebrate, we would like to encourage you to join our parent company, Plum Good Media, in supporting five really great nonprofit organizations that have dedicated their lives to uplifting Black lives and the people of color 
to education, advocacy, and leadership development. To learn more about our Plum Good Philanthropy Initiative and to find out how you can give, you can go to our website at thegourmetgrouper.com. You can also visit plumgood, that's G-O-O-D-E, dot com to learn more. Thanks for listening. Now back to the show. This is JJ Outlaw and Chi Outlaw, and we are wrapping things up with the Gourmet Goober podcast. As normal was regular listeners know, not normal. <laughs> if you're part of Goomerland, you are not normal. <laughs> but our regular listeners know that every episode of the podcast, we share something that we like to affectionately call the best thing we ate this week. So that includes restaurants, hole in the grounds, franchise chains. Maybe it's a really dope recipe that you made. But anyway, we believe that good eating is part of life, and we want to take this segment to share um, where we found some traditionally good grub. Now, as always, you can feel free to share with our listeners the best thing you ate this week. You can drop us a line at thegourmetgoober at gmail.com, and we'll be able to put that on the show. Um, As always, as well, if it's a national chain, because keep in mind with the pandemic being what it is, it's difficult as you can imagine for us to get out and travel and do a lot of the things we did in early segments of the show so that's why we wanted to open it up to our listeners but whenever possible when we share a new um thing that we discovered that has locations around the country we will put that in our show notes so that way if it's close by you you can try it for yourself now this week we actually had something unusual happen um And just to take a step back to let you know how the sausage is made on the show. Um, Generally speaking, Big Daddy and I don't like to normally share what we have and our choices for the best thing we ate this week before the show's taping because of the fact that um, we like to be surprised. And sometimes it's fun to be surprised on the show while people are listening, while we're recording. Um, That said, because we had such a long extended vacation, vacation (laughs) well we had mostly of a break and then one technical um difficulties induce extra week polar bear ate our (laughs) podcast the polar bear ate our podcast you're just gonna stick with that story huh yeah that's how it's made (laughs) so we actually found ourselves like talking together um beforehand pandemic um just to remind ourselves of all the really cool things that we ate during our extended break and as luck would have it, for the first time, I think, ever, we both chose food from different places, understandably, but in the same category. I don't think that's ever happened before. Has it? To my knowledge, no. No. So it's kind of fun to see our our faves in a different take under the same category. So as always, we start with you. So what was your favorite thing that you ate during our break? The best thing I ate during break was actually something that was brought to me by the Gourmet Goober on a a turn uh, while we were away from the house, uh, which was, weirdly enough, a pizza. And it was a personal pizza uh, served up to us by a place called Rapid Fire. Um, there was something called a triple bypass, which... Triple bypass, which definitely could seem like... Our, uh, you know, like a hard tech pizza, but 
it was it was loaded, but at the same time, it was actually a very delightful pizza, which I from what I remember had like of course my favorites, which are pepperoni and sausage, and I think it had a little bit of bacon. Uh, I really liked that they add this red sauce, right? And I remember it also having some. It was spicy red sauce, but. It also had black olives and jalapenos. Which you normally don't eat, but you ate every bite of it. Yes, you did. <laughs> I was shocked. I, I got it basically because it had all his faves on it. Um, to be fair, I I ordered it and then the person behind me ordered it. And I think once I realized like, oh, no, wait, leave out the black olives and the jalapeno. Um and the person behind me was just like, no, put it on. <laughs> <laughs> so you were influenced by somebody else. Well, he reminded me, this person, how this how it was. I think I was laser focused on, ooh, pepperoni and sausage and bacon, all his favorite things. Um, so when I got it home and I realized like, oh, no, I think we got the other guy's pizza. So I hope he was happy with it, whatever he got. But he probably mad. <laughs> you ate his pizza. But I got to say, it was, it looked really good. And I even said, if you don't want the jalapenos or whatever, you can pick those off. No, he ate every bite, you guys. I was hungry. Yes. <laughs> and bacon makes everything good. <laughs> so so I'm, I'm really glad that you liked it then. I did. I wasn't expect because it was a loaded personal pizza. I will yeah. say that. But at the same time, I was actually very pleasantly surprised and I I just got to the point where I was like, okay, I went all cookie monster on it. And I was like, <laughs> I turned around. It was a, it was a hefty little uh, couple slices. And if you're not familiar with Rapid Fire Pizza, they're one of the chains that are now out there that are very popular that um, will prepare your pizza in about three minutes. So it's cool. You kind of walk in there. You can get everything from about a nine inch personal size, which we each got one of our own to I think the largest size is like a traditional extra large pizza. Um, and you get to personalize it up front. So they have some pre-made ones, um, like the ones I got him or like the pesto chicken pizza that I got. And yeah, it's thin crust, um, made to order, really great. They have them all across the country. And so it's a pretty sizable, like you said, they pack a lot in those nine inches. Yes, they do. And I just wanted to grab something. It was while we were staying at the hotel. I had to run back to the house and check on some things. And at the time, I was also talking to my boss. <laughs> so I hadn't had a chance to come back and actually um, figure out whatever for dinner or what have you. So it was one of those things where, ooh, pizza. And it turned out to be a really great find. So I'll put the link to it. Again, it's called Rapid Fire Pizza. They have locations all throughout the Midwest. And then they do have, I think they have places in like everywhere from Texas to Iowa and just everywhere in between. Um, you'll find it in the link. But it's definitely well worth it if you had an opportunity. They have everything from a traditional pizza to some crazy flavors. Like there's one that you can get, which is mac and cheese. Um, uh, is that the Mac Daddy or the Mac Daddy Mac? I think it's actually called the Mac Daddy, I want to say. Oh, good. So great. they have a mac and cheese one. Um, they have one that's a Hawaiian, but it's a little different than your traditional Hawaiian, that it actually comes with cinnamon and brown sugar. So, yeah, it's 
kind of everything that you would ever want on a pizza, you can kind of make it yourself. So definitely recommend it. And I'm glad that you loved it. Yay. <laughs> I was a little worried when I saw the black olives and the jalapenos. I was like, oh, there's no way he's going to touch that. Nope. He ate it all. <laughs> I went out Mikey on it. No, Mikey likes it. <laughs> he really did. Yes, he do. So my choice is also pizza, which again, I don't think we've ever chose like the same type of food. You are, you are correct. But mine is from a different location called Old Chicago. And Old Chicago is a um, largely traditional Chicago pizza chain. So yes, you can get deep dish pizza. You can get tavern pizza, which just as a side note, since we're talking pizza. Um, yeah, we live in the Chicagoland area. And I know that there is a common thought for people who are not from the area that all pizza served in Chicago is Chicago deep dish. And that is not true. The most traditional type of pizza that is served in our area, it's what's known as tavern pizza, which is kind of half like a thin crust, right? And yeah, it's, an ab- it's an abomination of life, but at the same time, yes, tavern pizza. And I actually am a fan of tavern pizza too. Yeah, and the thing is, tavern pizza, when done well, is When good. done well. True. And I'm, I have to say, I'm not necessarily a fan of every form of tavern pizza because I grew up in the Midwest, like next door, literally um, to a pizza hut. <laughs> so every time I had pizza up until I met and married Big Daddy, it's all been like a personal pan. So I've, I've never had the different types of crust before. I just always thought pizza was like that. I know. So I've come to appreciate tavern pizza when it's done well. Of course, I'm always a sucker for a deep dish pizza. I think a deep dish pizza is a thing of beauty and not everyone can handle it. Convert. Yes. But that said, the pizza that I ordered from Old Chicago is a more traditional tavern pizza that they offer do... um, that is called an Italian grinder pizza. So it's a thin crust pizza. It's topped with beef, salami, pepperoni, Italian sausage, red onions, roasted garlic, red peppers, and they top it off with sliced banana peppers, AKA pepperoncinis. Let me tell you, it sounds, if you're, not necessarily a grinder person and what a grinder is if you're not familiar you'll find them in a lot of old style pizza joints it's kind of like a sandwich more or less you know kind of like a traditional sub with some of those same flavors on it i don't really know what it was about this particular pizza i know that i nearly attacked big daddy for the pepperoncinis and everything that was on it she did get low <laughs> she did get crazy with it i will say that <laughs> like, Part of the reason why I picked up the pizza for you the next day, we were still staying at the Cleanse Down Hotel <laughs> um, that we were in while we were waiting for the parts so that we can fix the toilet. <laughs> but I have to say, it was one of my favorite ex- parts of the experience was getting to order that because it's in a different town from, I mean, where? from where we live. And not everyone delivers to where we live. And so old Chicago... We are in the hood. Yes, yeah, sadly, not everyone delivers to the hood. <laughs> Maybe not. I don't know. Maybe we're not hood, but <laughs> it was worth a try. But um, but all jokes aside, it old Chicago, 
um, they have really great food. And usually when I go there, I get the deep dish. Um, I go with, I have one particular friend that used to travel for her job before the Rona and everything. And whenever she passed through, since it's close to the hotel that they put her up in, we would go and check it out. Um, so this is the first time I've had their thin crust pizza. And I loved it. It was incredibly crispy and well done. And, you know, just the right around of sweet and savory with the Italian sausage and the pepperoncinis. So if you get a chance to get your hand on one of these pizzas, and again, I'll put the location in the show notes, do recommend that you get your life and try it. It's definitely worth it. I don't see nothing wrong with a little bump and grinder. <laughs> it is worth a try. I don't sound that good <laughs> early. Oh my gosh, you need the coffee. <laughs> coffee. So we're going to wrap things up right now before he decides to serenade the audience with any other takeoffs of R. Kelly songs, which may not be a good thing right now. Um, Big Daddy, where can they find you on social media? We can go half on a <laughs> grinder. Uh, you can find me, that being T-O-U-T-L-A-W, T -O -U -T -L -A -W, on Twitter at T-Outlaw and on Instagram at T-Outlaw Josie Wells. I am always available on Twitter at JJ Outlaw. And you can also find me at um, Gourmet Goober on Instagram. Also just wanted to say thank you for our listeners and being so patient while we get the technical difficulties all worked out so that we can come back to you. We're excited to have some things available within the next few weeks that we'll be able to hopefully share. And in the meantime, for Big Daddy and I, um, <laughs> everyone in Gooberland, including the sleeping pets, <laughs> we want to say thank you so much for listening to the Gourmet Goober, and we will see you back in two weeks. <laughs>